This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello, and welcome to Bodies of Horror, the podcast where we look at all of our favorite horror films from the classic, the camp, to the cringe, through the lens of disability. I'm your host, Nicole, and I am thrilled to have you here. So, what is on the examination table for this episode? Well, I am going to be talking about 1997's The Craft, Directed by Andrew Fleming and starring uh, Robin Tooney, Feruza Balk, Nev Campbell, Rachel True, Ski Ulrich. I wanted to talk about this film because it is a film that I see pop up on a lot of people's lists of films that they watch around this time of year, around Halloween. You know, we all probably have that uh, curated list of films that every Halloween season we kind of turn to. And I see this one pop up on a lot of people's lists. It's been a while since I had gone back to it. Um, So I was excited to uh, revisit the film. I've seen a lot of people talk about this movie, you know, either do podcast episodes or write about this movie, usually from the uh, lens of of talking about kind of that teenage geared horror. Um, just recently, I can't remember who it was. I think on Shudder as well, though. Um, there's been a lot of quote-unquote high school horror uh, kind of collections and stuff. So um, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about it just in terms of, you know, kind of this teenage girl geared horror. And not really from... The Lens of Disability, although there is a character, Bonnie, played by Neff Campbell, that has a disability. Uh, She has been badly burned and has scars uh, on her body, and we'll we'll get into all of that. But I was, uh, I, I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about specifically that character, Bonnie. There's also some elements of mental health. Uh, suicide and suicidal ideation. So, uh, you know, those are some heavy topics. So, uh, I will mention them, uh, just as kind of a content warning. And yeah, I'm excited to get into it. So let's do it and let's talk about the craft. To the other kids at St. Bernard Academy, they were the girls who didn't belong. Whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? They're witches. But after years of being on the outside... Why'd you lie about me? I don't want to go out with you again. Please, stop begging. It's pathetic. Four girls are about to discover the dark side. You ever heard of invoking the spirit? Black magic. We can make things happen. I mean, this is it. This is real. Columbia Pictures welcomes you to the witching hour. Uh, 
spell is working. Sit. into our plot synopsis, courtesy of friend of the pod, Wikipedia. Sarah Bailey, a troubled teenage girl with unusual abilities, has just moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles with her father and stepmother. At her new school, she forms a friendship with a group of girls who are outcasts for various reasons and are rumored to be witches. Bonnie Harper bears burn scars from an auto accident, Nancy Downs lives in a trailer with her mother and abusive stepfather, and Rochelle Zimmerman is a black student who is subjected to racist bullying by a gang of white girls. The girls worship a powerful earth deity called Manon. Popular jaw Chris Hooker shows interest in Sarah, which she reciprocates. When Bonnie observes Sarah levitating a pencil in class, she and the other outcast girls are convinced that she can co- can complete their coven as the fourth, completing an air, water, earth, fire circle and making them all powerful. As the girls walk home from school, Sarah is harassed by a vagrant who had earlier tried to scare her with a snake when she moved into her new home. When the vagrant chases after Sarah, he's Im- immediately hit by a car. The girls believe their combined will caused it to happen, which strengthens their bond. It is also revealed that Sarah once tried to kill herself. After a date with Chris, Sarah is upset that he spread a false rumor that they had had sex and that she was terrible. When Sarah confronts him, he treats her disrespectfully in front of his friends. Sarah casts a love spell on him. Rochelle then casts a revenge spell on racist bully Laura Lizzie. Bonnie casts a spell for beauty and Nancy a spell for power. The spells are successful. Chris becomes infatuated with Sarah. Bonnie's scars on her back miraculously heal Rochelle's bully, Laura, begins losing her hair. Nancy causes her stepfather to have a fatal heart attack, enabling her and her mother to cash in on his life insurance policy and move into a luxurious high-rise apartment. Nancy becomes power-hungry and encourages the others to join her in a rite called Invocation of the Spirit, despite being warned against the spell by Lirio the owner of a local occult shop and a practicing witch. Upon completion of the spell, Nancy is struck by lightning. The following morning, the other girls see Nancy walking on water with 
beached sharks and other dead animals littering, littering the shore. In the days that follow, Nancy becomes increasingly devoid of empathy and engages in risky behavior that endangers, endangers her life and the life of others. The spells the girls cast eventually lead to negative consequences. As Bonnie becomes aggressively narcissistic, Rochelle finds Laura traumatized, traumatized by her baldness and sobbing hysterically, and the obsessed Chris attempts to rape Sarah after she rejects his continual advances. In supposed retaliation, Nancy uses a glamour spell to make herself look like Sarah and attempts to fool Chris into having sex with her at a party. She is interrupted by the real Sarah who pleads with Nancy to leave with her, but it becomes obvious that Nancy's desire to control Chris is mixed with unrequited feelings. Upset at being fooled, Chris accuses Nancy of jealousy, angering her. She uses her power to kill Chris by throwing him out a window. Sarah attempts a binding spell to prevent Nancy from doing more harm, but it does not work, and the coven turns on Sarah. Sarah seeks out Lirio, but changes her mind and leaves before Lirio can offer help. The trio invades Sarah's dreams, torments her with visions of swarms of scorpions, snakes, rats, and insects, and makes her believe that her family has died in a plane crash. The coven then tries to induce Sarah to try to uh, kill herself, and Nancy slashes Sarah's wrists herself. Although initially terrified, Sarah successfully invokes the spirit and is able to heal herself and fight back. She scares off Bonnie and Brochelle by showing them glamours in a mirror of Bonnie with her face guard and Rochelle losing her hair like Laura. Sarah then defeats Nancy and binds her, preventing her from causing harm forever. Bonnie and Rochelle, finding their powers gone, visit Sarah to attempt reconciliation, only to find that she wants nothing to do with them and that Manon took their powers because they abused them. They scornfully mutter that Sarah must have lost her powers too. Sarah then conjures a lightning storm and makes a tree branch nearly crush them. She warns them to be careful not to end up like Nancy, who has been committed to a psychiatric hospital, delusional and her powers bound, strapped to a bed as she desperately insists she can fly. All right. So I want to start out with some initial thoughts here. It had been a minute since I had watched this one, but not a terribly, terribly long time. And I was curious how it would hold up now watching it in the here and now. There is definitely a time capsule quality to this film. The 90s gauze fashion. You had Sabrina the Teenage Witch that had aired right around that same time. And... I was in high school and it definitely spoke to my vibe. I dug the film then and I do dig it now. It obviously isn't perfect and there are certainly some moments of cringe, that's to be sure, but I do think it handles some of the heavy themes with a bit of nuance. You know, I think even if it is a little simplistic in some of its approaches to these themes. 
I think there is, you know, you can see that there's some care and thought there as well. Acting wise, I think the performances of the core four, thanks, Scream, is strong. The one that stands out as being a bit bland is Sarah, but it has everything to do with her striking me as a Mary Sue type character and nothing to do with Robin Tooney's performance. This is especially noticeable to me in scenes where Sarah isn't with the other three girls because she kind of comes to life for me when she is with Bonnie, Rochelle, and Nancy. There has been some uh, thought or complaint about how the core four is identified as outcasts outside of the witchcraft. Um, and, you know, folks saying that it's a little bit reductive because it becomes the only defining piece of their characters in the movie. Nancy is an outcast because she is poor. And so when we're getting these moments with Nancy of character development, it's really around that. Um, Rochelle is an outcast because she is black and she's being bullied by a racist uh, swim team uh, member and... So that becomes kind of the, the defining uh, piece of character. Bonnie uh, is an outcast because she has scars, which are largely not visible uh, because she is completely covered. Um, and Sarah is an outcast because she is the new kid. And I really can't help but agree because it does, when, when they're not together, it does kind of make them seem one note, but I think, you know, at least with the, the other three outside of Sarah, there is personality there, um, you know, because they are an, an established group. They've been friends for a while. And so there is some rapport and I think that kind of helps, but yeah, it, you know, they're just kind of characters defined largely by one thing. But the meat of what I really want to get into is Bonnie. And Bonnie is played by Nev Campbell. And she is the one that spots Sarah in class with her pencil, moving it, levitating it, Sam's hands, and thinks she may be the fourth. She goes to Rochelle and Nancy and says that she saw uh, Sarah in class and that she's convinced that she could be the fourth. When we are getting to know a little bit about Bonnie, she's, she's very shy and reserved. She's quiet and she doesn't really make eye contact. When Nancy is first warning Sarah about Chris, as they're starting to get to know each other, she says that he comes on to every girl in the school and says she had hooked up with him before. And Bonnie chimes in that, well, she's the exception because she has scars and obviously no one will want to have scars. And that's when we and Sarah learn that she is a burn survivor. She, in my most recent watch, there, there were a couple of moments. I hope that this doesn't sound 
bad. Um, I, and I hope it doesn't come off a certain way. She almost has like a, a hunchback of Notre Dame, Quasimodo physicality to her. She's just kind of hunched over. Um, she's looking down, hair in her face. Um, so, but I noticed it really prevalently in this rewatch, especially when she is like approaching the group because I think she comes to sit with them at the table and they're having this conversation. And I don't know, she just has that that mannerism. It was interesting. I think what's also uh, being kind of established here is, you know, she is, I definitely relate a lot with Bonnie because I, in high school, um, was really self-conscious and didn't like, you know, scars peeking out. A lot of mine were easily hidden, kind of like Bonnie's as well. They were, you know, as long as I had a shirt that fit a certain way, um, my J-tube and my scars and everything, you wouldn't be able to to see anything kind of peeking out. And yeah, I was self-conscious and it definitely impacted the way that I moved around. Um, and, and so I, I actually thought it, it's a, it's an interesting and, and really realistic, I think, touch and not something that honestly you see a lot of in, in, I think films like this, you know, a kind of a next tier kind of realistic nuanced thing to bring into a performance. So I did appreciate that. And I did kind of feel, you know, a little, a little heart pain for her when she, you know, she said that no one would ever want to be with her because she's, she's hideous and definitely something I can relate to too. So I, you know, this goes back to what I was saying about how I, I can totally understand the complaint that these characters can come off as one note, kind of representing, you know, one aspect of their personality, but, or, you know, one aspect of their identity, essentially. But I... I do like these little moments that I think, especially for uh, Rochelle, Nancy, and Bonnie, it gives us a little bit more to them. Speaking of Bonnie's scars, we only really get to see them a few times. We see them twice during the hospital scenes, once in between those scenes when she's having Nancy, who has kind of, you know, gotten an extra boost of power, uh, asking her to heal the scars, and then at the end with the glamour. I want to talk a couple of minutes about the the hospital scenes, because it, it reminds me very much of the, the hospital scenes in The Exorcist because it's very painful and very visceral. Uh, 
the the first scene where she's getting her gene ther- her gene therapy treatment to help with the scarification. Um, it's you know very quick um, succession of like needle pricks and and she's. Uh, really uncomfortable and it just kind of builds very much in that same way that we saw as Reagan was getting like spinal taps and, and things in the exorcist. So that was a really interesting, uh, scene. And again, pretty realistic, uh, just, you know, I, I appreciate scenes like this because, well, yes, it is realistic to, I think, the experience that lots of folks have. I think it's something that speaks to a question that lots of folks with disabilities get asked, which is, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you have this procedure? Why don't you, you take this medication without understanding that these things can come with side effects, can be painful, can have a huge impact on quality of life. It's a pro and con situation when we're making decisions about do we want to do this or not. Um, and obviously this is something that she wants to do because she's, she's a teenage girl and is super self-conscious. And just like any teenager at that time, wanting to feel accepted and, and feel comfortable in your body and your skin and just is struggling. And, and I, you, you really do get that. I am, it's something that I, I really appreciate. I also really noticed in this recent rewatch that her friends don't really, they're not really all that affirming to her. Uh, you know, we have this ideals in our head of, you know, friends saying, you know, don't worry about what other people think. You're beautiful. Um, you know, yada, yada, yada. And our friends don't really say that when she makes these self-deprecating comments about herself her friends don't really jump in it's it's i don't know i just i really felt the experience there um and i don't know there's something really tragic about the moment that we see her uh you know with nancy and nancy's uh casting a spell to heal her um you can just feel the desperation. You know, she, she wants to, she, she wants to wear the clothes that she wants to wear. She wants to feel good about herself. And I think that that makes kind of her character development after she, after her scars are gone, a little bit more complex and interesting. There was an article, and I think it is from Screen Rant. I'll link it in the show notes. But Nev talks about the makeup 
that she had for the burns while she was in the craft. And I think she's specifically talking about um, the end sequence where the scars returned and they're now on her face. And she, she talks about how it was a pretty extensive uh, makeup situation, very time consuming. And she talks about how, you know, at that time there weren't iPhones, iPads, things that, you know, we could, that we would have now to kill time. And she, yeah, it did not sound like a, a very pleasant experience, but she did say that, you know, being in the craft was a lot of fun. So I definitely recommend checking out the article. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. And speaking of articles, uh, I'm going to link another uh, piece that I found. And it's written by a burn survivor. And I found it super compelling. Uh, and it hits on a, a couple of things that I, I want to chat about. The first one is it, it really hones in on the, the trope of burn survivors turned villains and uses Freddie as kind of the main centerpiece of that discussion. And, you know, that is something that we have seen in multiple films. We talked about House of Wax uh, in an episode here. And it's, you know, whether it's, we're talking about burn survivors, but any kind of injury disfigurement and kind of that push for revenge following um, or, you know, vindication, something along those lines. Uh, it, I, I found myself thinking about how it applied to Bonnie. She isn't a villain during the, the first part of the film. I don't think that any of the girls are necessarily, uh, villains during the first part. Although I think you could probably make a, a strong argument that Nancy could go that way. But what is interesting to me is then you get into this idea of the burns as punishment. And what do I mean by that? So in, in the piece that I referenced, they talk about, you know, obviously the revenge aspect, but how the burns were, Freddie was burned as a specific punishment for his crimes. Now, Bonnie loses her, her burn scars, but as punishment for, uh, you know, kind of turning on Sarah, her own kind of misdeeds, her uh, becoming more narcissistic and just not a great person, 
Um, her punishment is the reappearance of scars. And I think that that's also a kind of a, a, an equal part of that trope is that, you know, the, the disability, the illness, the accident, disfigurement, any of those things being kind of ladled out as a punishment. It's just desserts for what they've done. And I don't know, that's, that's a little bit, that's a little bit of a, a tricky thing to wrestle with. We see this with Laura too, when the spell is cast and she loses her hair and yeah, like, we, we hate Laura. <laughs> she's an awful character. Um, and she's played by Christine Taylor, uh, who was Marsha in the Brady Bunch movies. And I, she is perfect in the role, a little too perfect because it is really, she's just really upsetting. But, you know, we, we don't like her. We want her to to suffer, but it's just you know when she is sobbing in the shower, and Rochelle finds her. There's there's this I think where Nancy lacks that that empathy. Rochelle just is like really, really upset by it, really torn. I don't know. It's, it's uncomfortable. Um, and I, I hate saying like, uh, I feel bad for a racist character, but I was like, uh, she really does seem upset. Kind of what she gets, but, uh, I don't know. This is just saying that, you know, uh, abstracting it from that, just thinking about what it's saying about, you know, baldness, alopecia. Um, I don't know. Just lots. It's a, it's a lot to kind of unpack lots of layers to it. And I don't know. Um, it's interesting stuff. The last thing I want to hit on is, uh, now I know I focus a lot on, Bonnie, kind of, like I said, the meat that I wanted to, to zero in on. But I wanted to also mention kind of the portrayal of disability associated with mental health. You have Nancy, who, I don't know if she has a, a, diagnosed, uh, you know, mental illness of some sort, if that's kind of the, what we're supposed to, to infer. Um, but, you know, just like, you know, punish the uh, physical ailment, disfigurement, uh, being punishment, Nancy is punished similarly by insanity pushed 
to insanity and then being institutionalized. So, yeah, the the portrayal of mental illness is always, I think, just like with disability, a very, a very fine line between, I think, having good intent and maybe missing the mark versus just completely missing the point. And, you know, perhaps focusing on some pretty harmful tropes, stereotypes, etc. And I don't know, that's, it's the, the regular criticism that I've seen kind of lobbed at this film is around that. So I don't know. But as I mentioned, when just kind of giving my initial thoughts, I do like this movie. It's, you know, it does take me back to high school and there's really fun moments, especially as the girls are getting to know each other, really develop their, their witchcraft, uh, skill sets. And I don't know. It, there's, there's some really fun and great moments in there. And when they are together as a group, they really do have a great, I think, rapport. So I, yeah, I, I do really like it. I've watched the sequel when it came out, I think a couple of years ago. And I, I recall enjoying it. I haven't revisited it yet. Um, I, I felt that it lacked, I think, a certain, I don't know, punch that this one has. Um, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to define. And I, I think I probably should revisit it to see if maybe my thoughts have changed. But it just wasn't as initially smitten with it like I was this one. So... Yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on the craft. I wanted to cover this because, like I said, this is always discussed this time of year. It's on lots and lots of people's, you know, annual horror movie watch in October. So I, I was really intrigued to revisit this one and just see, A, how it initially just kind of held up and see if there were things that stood out to me that I, that were completely lost on me before. And I think that there were, uh, and I think that it does stand up quite a bit, um, you know, against the test of time. So if you're looking for something to watch, this is, this is now a cult classic. I think, uh, I know a lot of people kind of, put it in that category. So I think it is well worth the watch. And on that note, that will be the episode. Thank you as always for being here, for listening. I've gotten some really, really wonderful email from folks recently, which is so nice. I, I love hearing from, uh, folks and it's great. Um, so if you want to 
shoot me an email, you can do so by uh, shooting me a line at bodiesofhorror at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter or X at bodieshorror. And you can find me on Blue Sky at bodieshorror. And all that is going to be in the show notes. And a huge, huge, huge thank you, as always, to Anatomy of a Screen, The Heart in Home, Bodies of War. Thank you so much for being here, and until next time. Squad.